morning we're going to show our appreciation to our teachers, as we've said, and try to uh, let them know how much we value their contribution to our lives, to our children's lives. Uh, they do so much for our children and young people in the church day in and day out. Um, you know, teaching children can be a lot of fun. It can also be a great challenge to us sometimes. Sometimes teachers have to keep on teaching even though there may be little evidence that their students are actually paying attention. Uh, uh, and I've seen some of this. I, uh, Alina, I remember a few posts on Facebook of things that students said to you. Uh, Joe, sometimes that happens as well. I'm sure Michael can tell us about his middle school students and whether they're learning or not. Uh, I thought it'd be interesting for us to see some of the answers that kids have given through the years to their teachers. This is a list of answers that students in high school gave in a history class. The Romans were called Romans because they never stayed in one place very long. <laughs> the Greeks invented the Olympic Games where they hurled biscuits and threw the java. The Middle Ages was when King Alfred conquered the Danes. And the Renaissance was the time when Martin Luther was nailed to the church door. He died a horrible death being excommunicated by a papal bull. They heard some of the words, they just didn't know what they meant. Queen Elizabeth was the virgin queen. When she exposed herself to the troops, they all shouted, hooray. Then her navy went out and defeated the Spanish armadillo. <laughs> Christopher Columbus discovered America while cursing the Atlantic. Oh, that's an interesting discovery. Now, this doesn't happen just in school, public school. It happens also in Bible school. It happens to our teachers here. Sunday school teachers often face the same problems. Here's a list of actual answers that high school kids gave to their Sunday school teachers. Noah's wife was called Joan of Arc. <laughs> the fifth commandment is humor, thy mother, mother and father. Abraham begat... Isaac, Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat 12 partridges. The first commandment, that's easy. That's when Eve told Adam to eat the apple. And number five, you'd love this, a Republican is a sinner mentioned in the Bible. I think, I think Democrats might agree with that. <laughs> Christians can have only one wife. That's called monotony. So some of it's getting through, not all of it, and it's kind of interesting what, what kids come away with, what are, what are the takeaways? That's why you ask your kids when they come home from Sunday school, what did you learn today? Because you may need to correct some of the things that they thought they learned, and hopefully they didn't learn exactly as they repeat it sometimes. So sometimes the message doesn't stick, and you try, and you try as a teacher, but they just don't get it. At other times, however, the students get the lesson, maybe even better than we thought we taught it. And that's interesting to see, and, and so, um, so helpful, so encouraging to a teacher, you know, when they finally, man, they got that. I, I can't believe it. And they just make us proud. They make us glad that we're doing what we're doing, even though it, sometimes it's frustrating. There was a young medical student I heard about that was graduating. He, he was graduating with the highest honors, the highest marks, accolades, you know, everything. And he's top of the class, and fellow students were asking him, you know, what are you going to do now? And then what are your future plans? And he told them, I'm going to be a medical missionary in a deprived area of the world. And they retorted by saying, well, that's no way to get on in the world. And his answer was, which world? 
are you talking about? He got it. We love our teachers. We love the people who volunteer their precious time to share the word of God with their students, especially when they're our children or our grandchildren. We love our teachers. They give hour and hour uh, of their time to to prepare their lessons and to prepare their hearts so that they can serve the Lord in what they're doing. We love our teachers. They pray for our students every week. They ask God for wisdom so that their teaching will have an impact on their students' lives. We love our teachers. They know their teaching must be backed by their example, and not just their words, but their lives, so that they devote themselves to the ways of God so that they can show their students what it means to follow Jesus. The first preacher I ever worked with was Dr. Tracy Miller. He was a full-time preacher of a church in Irwin, Tennessee, but he was also a professor at Milligan College. I had had him in humanities and another class, and then I got to work with him day after day in the church there in Irwin. And one day he told me what his theme verse was, and I said, what is that? What is a theme verse? And he said, well, a theme verse is simply a verse that is like the vision for your life, the vision because it reflects the call that God has placed on your life. And this, this verse kind of capsulizes that. Uh, and so he said that his theme verse for his life was Colossians 1, 28 and 29, which is, by the way, our text for today. And I thought it was a great theme verse. This is what Colossians 1, 28 says. We proclaim him, that is Christ, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works. In me. Pretty great theme verse, isn't it? I think for any preacher, probably just about any teacher, that is a good way of summarizing why we're in this, why we're doing what we're doing. Let's break down this passage just a little bit this morning before we honor our teachers and as we also recognize some of our students that are being promoted. First of all, I see here in this verse that Bible teachers teach Christ, and He's first. He's He's the subject matter. He's always in the subject matter. They can teach a lot of different things, and they will, but Jesus is always first and foremost in their teaching. Now, it would be easy to get distracted, and we do. It'd be easy to forget that the main thing is the main thing, but when you're a Bible teacher, the main thing is Jesus. The Bible is, is what that's about. It would, and it would be easy for us to put our hope in our methods or maybe our materials. You know, we've got these really fancy curriculum things. But what we want to know in every Bible class is that Jesus is front and center. Uh, and and uh, we want to see that happening. Bible teachers, secondly, admonish as well as teach. This is an important word in this verse, admonish. They're not just teaching religious subject matter. They're, they're providing life-saving, life-transforming information through a relationship with God. And so this is, this is a, of importance. There is urgency to the message, because this isn't just information you could take and discard. This is something about your life and what's going to happen in your life. To admonish means to strongly to encourage and to correct even, to motivate, to even discipline. Bible teachers know it is important that every one of their students hear and respond positively to what they're being taught. If they don't, they're making a very poor choice, and it's not going to bode well for them. So it's, it's not just take it or leave it. 
This will change your life, and admonishment comes along with the teaching. Thirdly, we see here, Bible teachers count on God's wisdom, because none of us is equal to the task. Many times, as I'm preparing a lesson or a sermon, I'm thinking, I don't even know what to do here. I don't know how to say this. I, I don't know how to effectively communicate this. And we can only have any chance of that if we pray for wisdom, if we pray for God to show us things that we would not have seen. And when we ask for wisdom, God will show us what to do every time in every situation. Maybe at the last minute, something will come. We also count on the Holy Spirit while we're teaching or preaching to translate what we teach into the hearts of every student. The effectiveness of the teaching doesn't hinge on our ability, doesn't depend uh, hinge on our skills, our technique. What it hinges on is God's ability to use us even in our weakness. Sometimes I even remind myself that God spoke through Balaam's donkey. He could certainly speak through you. <laughs> and, and, you know, even in your feeble efforts, even in your weakness, God can use even the weakness in a powerful way. Fourth thing I see in this verse is that Bible teachers know the goal is maturity. It, it's perfection. To present every one of their students perfect, mature, complete. That's what it means. Not, not that you're absolutely 100% perfect, but that you achieve what God's intent is for your life. And no one can be complete in themselves, but we can all be complete in Christ. Everyone is capable of this kind of maturity. But of course, not everyone will achieve this goal. But that's our goal. That's what we strive for. Every teacher, a Bible teacher, encourages each of his or her, her students in their spiritual journey. And, and it's like we're all this pilgrims on this, this journey. It's got all kinds of things. It's got distractions. It has tests. It has pitfalls. It has temptations. It has you know, places we could succeed or fail. And a choice has to be made. And the teacher's job is to encourage the students to make that journey and to arrive safely the place where God wants them to arrive our job is not complete until the child dies even as an adult or until the Lord returns for all of us and that's our goal it's an unending very high goal the final thing I see in this verse is the Bible teachers work in the Lord's strength not in their own they know that there is a supernatural power working inside of us when we work for God and we can keep on going when we may be expected to give up. They say, well, they're going to throw in the towel. That's, that's all they're going to be able to take. They're going to be so frustrated. They're going to be so tired. They're going to just give up. But somehow, through God's strength, we continue beyond what is humanly possible. And when we depend on God's strength, we are not burdened or burned out by a situation. I, I've seen people go through horrendous things year after year because their strength is not their own. It's something God's doing. And in fact, because they're keeping God's calling alive in their life, they are energized, not burnt out by what they're doing. They know it's exactly what God wants them to be doing. We've got some students and uh, uh, children that are going to come in. So you guys come on in. Come on in and be seated. And uh, we're going to share uh, opportunity for kids to be recognized and also for some adults to be recognized. Just find seat here across these rows. You can sit on this side too, I guess, wherever you want. 
Jonathan, if you'll put that last slide back up there again, please. I want to just review for you teachers that were not able to be in here some of the things from a passage in Colossians 1, 28 and 29. The verse says this, We proclaim him, that is Jesus or Christ, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we present everyone perfect or mature, complete in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. And we were talking about how the Bible teachers find in these verses that calling that God has placed on their lives. That we teach Christ first and always. That we admonish as well as teach. That we count on God's wisdom. That our goal is to see all of them come to maturity. And that our work is done not in own, our own strength but in the Lord's. We're going to ask uh, Cheryl and uh, any others to come up and, and make uh, recognition of some of the students who may be promoted, and also whatever you want to say about teachers here. So come on up. Lifted up and okay. Uh, a couple things before we dismiss. Um, you'd be seated right there for a moment. There, um, we have our picnic today, and uh, before we break, even as we leave the room, parents come up here and get your kids right here at this point. So this will be the place where you can check them out. Uh, and then also, we're going to be going outside quickly for something else, which is not the picnic. It's a baptism. So, Savannah, come up here for a minute. We're excited for Savannah Peters today to share her decision that she wants to follow Jesus Christ, and we're excited for her. She's been through a, a pretty detailed study with Miss Cheryl uh, over the past few weeks and uh, preparing for this moment when she surrenders her heart to Jesus Christ. And uh, Cheryl's actually going to be doing her baptism, and we're all going to share in that in just a few minutes. But Savannah, we just want to uh, acknowledge your, your desire to follow Christ, and I want you to repeat after me what we call the good confession of faith, okay? If you're a Christian, you can, can repeat along at the same time. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. God bless you, and I know you want him to be your Savior and your Lord. Congratulations today.